You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Thank you for listening to the We Are Libertarians network. Get our other shows at wearelibertarians.com. Um, I'm Ron Sendrick. I live in the northern part of the state, Osceola, Indiana, a small town off of uh, South Bend, St. John County. Um, I guess I'd like to start by asking, first first time considering running for office, everyone here? Anybody ever, not you, you've ran before? I'm not run, I've run campaigns before. Oh, you've ran campaigns, okay. Um, you know, let me just start this in, 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 a, in a way that you probably wouldn't expect. We're not terribly successful. I don't know if you check the stats. We don't win very much. Okay? It's like the 500-pound gorilla in the room. No one really likes to talk about it, but every single person knows that it's true. So, um, you may or may not suffer the same fate. Just be prepared to suffer it. Okay? Um, Don't overbuild your expectations to the point where you're depressed if you don't go home a victory. Um, that may sound like common sense or practical knowledge, but I, I actually know a couple of people who almost got into a depression or a funk after, after their campaigns. I'm not one of them. I was fine, trust me. But but I, I know a couple of people that were, you know, really thought they were going to win, pretty upset when they didn't pull home a victory. So, um... Make sure you, you're invested in your campaign, but don't get to the point where it's an all-or-nothing proposition that you have to have that victory to go forward in life. There are plenty of things that make worth that make running as a libertarian for office worthwhile without actually winning a, cam- a campaign, without actually winning an election. I mean, keep in mind that um, you know you get to spread these ideas around. I mean, you, we don't get people into our camp by the thousands. We get them. You know, you don't get to a thousand before you get to fifty. Before you get to fifty, okay. You don't get to ten thousand before you get to a thousand. So every time we bring somebody in, we're closer, and your campaign can bring people in, okay. So don't ever look at it like it ha- it's an all-or-nothing proposition. Like it's either a win or I didn't do my job, okay? Because you're doing a job no matter what, and you're getting us closer. At least people are hearing it, okay? So at the bottom. At the end of the day, don't be too critical about your results. So, um, a little bit about myself and the campaign I ran. Uh, I've never ran for office before prior to 2010. I really only became involved with the Libertarian Party about 2009. Um, I have four adult children who are all grown out of the house now. Um, it, what I've, I'm a small business owner. I've owned my own company now for about a, a 10 years, 12 years, I guess, maybe now. And um, when my children got older and starting that company, that's what I really started to open my eyes to what was going on in the government. Um, prior to that, I was way too busy coaching Little League and working for somebody else and, you know, doing all the stuff that you do when you have four kids in school at the plays and the parent-teacher conferences, and I was trying to be a good parent. And I'm embarrassed to say I wasn't paying nearly the kind of attention to what was going on in the government as I should have. So I am... I'm overzealously now trying to make up for my sins <laughs> and doing all I possibly can to help for the years that I ignored it, okay? And so um, <coughs> I ran for office in 2010. I, I chose to run as state rep, and I challenged a 20-year incumbent Democrat in a heavy Democratic district, all right? I did not have a Republican challenger because they don't think they can win, so they didn't buy okay? Um, he had... The guy had raised $200,000 in the cycle before that for his election and crushed the Republican who ran prior to that, um, you know, who raised about 50000 Just crushed it. So they weren't even interested in putting anybody into the race. So I decided to take this guy on because I thought state rep was a job I could do and still continue to run my business. I thought if I could just find somebody to run it for those few months while I have to be in the state house. I could get back and take care of things, you know, and it felt like a job that I could do. So that's what I went for, and um, I I went and embraced everyone I possibly could. I reached out to Tea Party groups, I reached out to citizen action groups, and um, uh, essentially ran a grassroots campaign. Um, I raised $2,500, which is about... 2300 more than I thought I was going to raise, and um, I finished with 30% of the vote. There were about 
Democrats. About, uh, let's see, technically 16,000 people came out to vote, per se. But only about 10,000, no, I said that was 13,000 people came out to vote. Only about 10,000 actually counted because 3,000 people came in and pulled the Republican lever and left, which meant that they voted for a Republican candidate who wasn't there, so their vote didn't reach the final tally. So uh, the winner got about 7,000 votes, I got about 3,000 votes, and the mysterious Republican who wasn't even on the ballot got as many votes as I did, which is one of the biggest reasons why we're trying to eliminate uh, lever voting, and something that you'll have to face in your campaign. Um, I chose to try to reach out to the Republicans because they didn't, you know, they didn't have a dog in the race. And I felt if you're a Republican, you live in that district, uh, at least you believe I hope, in, in our economic policies, and maybe that's enough to make a connection, and I've steered my campaign in that direction, you may have to do the opposite if you're running against um, a Republican, for instance, and not a Democrat. You may have to steer your campaign towards um, civil liberty issues, towards uh, anti-war, well, your state. So, uh, let's, you know what I mean, though, to the side of the spectrum that... Uh, that's underserved. It's underserved, right. And so, um, play to your strengths is the advice I have for that. Um, the other thing I wanted, uh, the most important thing I wanted to tell you today concerns money for your for your election. Um, I, I really did not want to ask people for money when I was running for office. And it may not be for the reasons you think. It wasn't because I didn't believe in what I was doing. It wasn't because the economy was bad. It was because... I honestly felt like I had a, a very small chance of winning. And to be 100% honest with you, I had a tough time looking people in the eye and asking for their money in what I essentially knew was going to be losing effort. And it was very difficult for me to do it. And so I didn't for a long period of time until, until the people who were advising me eventually beat it through my skull that I absolutely had to have some money, okay? And then I reluctantly started asking, and we, we had a couple of fundraisers, and we made some money. But I, I didn't ask nearly soon enough, and I felt and I felt justified in what I was doing. It seemed right. But I have to tell you, folks, it was a mistake. It was the number one mistake I made. Um, even if you don't think you have a chance to win, it's not like the money won't be well served. It's not like the money won't get the message out, okay? And sadly, as sadly as the truth may be, you may have to run for office several times to get a victory, okay? So your first go-around might be all about name recognition, making contacts, learning learning how to do it, um, you know, taking a couple blows to the chin before you realize, you know, what worked and what didn't the first time around. But, but you can build on that, okay? And you will need money to do something. Um, there are all types of ways that traditionally people try with yard signs, with red mail, with media advertisement. Um, door to door is essential in a grassroots campaign. You cannot underestimate the value of it. I, essentially, I essentially will earn probably most of my votes by knocking on doors. And, and I, I believe that. We sent out a mailer to 1,200 Republicans that we believe were Republicans based on the demographic data we got. Um, I got four responses. I got one donation. Okay? In, in a race where there wasn't a Republican. Okay? With a with a message that was tailored to economics, right? With one with one that should have got something, got next to nothing. Okay, and we spent most of our money on that mail, okay, and that and yard signs. Um, I'm not sure how effective that was, but it would have. It, but it was probably tremendously effective from a name recognition standpoint for building for the future. And so you shouldn't ever be afraid to ask folks for money because you should believe in what you're doing. If you, if you care enough to run for office, it's self-explanatory that you care about it. So if you care enough to do that, if you care enough to spread the message, don't be afraid to ask them for money. It was the number one horrible mistake I made, and it was my own pride and my own uh, selfishness, I guess, or my, you know, uh, believing that I wanted to do it my way that kept me from doing it. So. I forgot, or I never learned, that the folks that have been doing this for a long time have been down this road and have done it. And I should have, I should have listened to their advice, and I didn't.
Okay, so that's the number one thing I can tell you. If if you get a lot of people advising you, we should be doing something differently. No matter how stubborn you are, you might have to reconsider. <laughs> Even though you're the candidate and it's your campaign, ultimately you will have the decision. I, I might I might beg to offer if you get enough people telling you you're on the wrong track, you might want to reconsider. Okay, so um, this is supposed to be a roundtable, not so much a my dissertation or discussion. So I'm just going to finish up with one more thing where I made another mistake. Um, make sure anything you put out has paid for by your committee name on it. And no matter how insignificant you think it is, if it's something you just printed up on your laser printer, even if no one did pay for it, you know, I mean, you just use your own paper and your own printer, you got to put that on there to, to stay out of trouble. Uh, I didn't get in trouble for it, but I did put some stuff out that didn't have it on there, and one of my advisors found out about it. I was like, ah, he's having a cow. And so um, if you do, you know, like like anything Chris said before, if you do make mistakes, correct it as quickly as you can. And that's what I did. And I, I never had any problems. But make sure that, that anything you put out has that paid for by your committee name on it, no matter how insignificant you think the, the handout or flyer may be. It, that counts for printed materials. It doesn't count in Indiana for balloons or pencils or something like that. Okay. You don't have to pay. So anything that's on paper. Well, yeah. Okay. It, it, but... but Debbie O'Neill ran for mayor in, in Rushville last time, and she put this paid for an authorized by Debbie O'Neill. It's almost as big as her sign, or like as big as her balloon. And for small trinkets like that, it's not needed. Okay. But if it's it, definitely if it's a sign or a flyer of some sort, you need to put it on. Yeah. So I just want to make sure you know that so you stay out of trouble because we don't, we certainly don't want you to be fine or to get in trouble when you do this. I mean, we would like you to be in this We'd like you to run for us again. We'd like you to be around. If, you know, you undertake this effort and you get $1,000 in fines, uh, you know, you may not be so so uh, likely to come back and try it again for us. So we want to keep you out of trouble. Um, so let's open it up to discussion. Do you have any questions or comments or anything in general? Yes, sir. Like, like your district is sort of like primarily Democrat. That's right. Like my district is 89th district, which is a great division between the city of Beach Grove and Warren Township. Okay. That's a huge economic divide right there. Like okay. Beach Grove is very, uh, very conservative. It's very there's all the Catholic churches down there. North of Warren is very. It seemed better days. Okay. How they both an economic divide, but. Uh, every election it flip-flops, like one year's a Democrat, next year's a Republican, and they're winning by like 200 votes, like Crocopper, Beat, and Barnes. She didn't So it's a really tough district. Now, did they redistricting this time? Did they change it up? Yeah, but they had, whether it's redistricting, they had the college campus, which is my college campus, in the area, which is okay. like, you know, that's give or take. You know, even though it's like a, a private school, it's called campus. Right. So uh, that can go either way as well. But, you know, like these votes are going, you know, here and there, here and there, here and there, you know, so it's like 200 votes. So right now I don't know, like a Democrat style, because I don't think you really care about the state of the society, you know, it's just going to continuously flop, 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 you know. And she'll just win next time, just throw someone else in. But she's very popular skin as well. So like in a state, not a state, but a district that's always, you know, constantly flip-flopping like that. Right. It's who do I pander to, because it's like, this can go either way to you know, talk to. Well, I, th I think, you know, you're going to ultimately have to make the call. I mean, it's clearly your decision. Uh, again, my, I mean, for advice on how to attack a district like that, I mean, um, pick pick your what you feel is your strongest issue, perhaps. I mean, what you feel you're the best messenger of. You know what I mean? What's what you're passionate about, and try to champion, try to own that issue. Try to be the champion of that issue, particularly if you feel that whichever candidate or side tries to champion that issue and fall short on it. You know what I mean? Try to own try to own it for yourself. And and try to get as many votes as you can on that issue or maybe a couple of issues along those lines. Because issue is like it's gonna be like an absolutist situation. You know what I mean? Like if you have like the half the auditorium is democratic, half the auditorium is Republican and they're like, what's your position on the right to work? Yeah. You know, what you say, you're going to lose half the audience right Well, there. you know, it, it can. I mean, but so, okay, so don't champion that issue. In other words, if you if you ask that question, be prepared to give a response. But don't put that as the number one issue on your website or as the one that you're touting. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. Yeah, I was, I was going to add to that. You're in a unique situation, and you need to tailor exactly what Ron was saying. Tailor, tailor your message to the people you're talking to. So if you're talking to a heavily Democrat 
group or in the area that typically votes heavily Democrat, you're going to want to focus on the social issues. Whereas if you're in a Republican area, you're going to want to focus on the economics. You're going to have a hard time getting votes because they're going to feel like, well, if I don't vote for the Republican, the Democrat's going to win because it is always so close. So you got to be actually out of fear. Yeah, you get a lot of, you know, one of the things that... that your success in terms of vote total was because you were running in a two-way race, so people felt like they could, even if there was a Republican in the race, they would have felt more comfortable voting for him because they liked him more than the Republican because they know, essentially, that Democrats going to win. Yeah, I just want a situation where it's like I'm whirlwinding with all these different people, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, stuff on one thing, it's like, yeah, referendum the right to work. They go over here and it's like, yeah, you know, zero excise taxes, you know what I mean? Right. You're just whirlwinding and so you're going to get caught up in that. Like, sure. well, don't you contradict no. yourself. Yeah, no, just, no, that's not what we're saying. Just be consistent, but, but tailor what you're saying. And there's certain issues, certain audiences. Right, so when you give your speech to the Republican side, you know, give your economic speech. Okay, talk about free markets. You know, and, and particularly, like I said, try to champion an issue that you feel your opponent maybe gives lip service to but doesn't deliver on. If they have a voting record, you know, call them out on that. Say, well, you know, my opponent talks about free markets, but he voted this and this and this. And these are not free market principles. If I get that office, I guarantee you I'm going to deliver these free markets. Yeah, the only thing I really like looking at her voting record is like a kick in the throat is like she signed several hundred Okay, there you go. Then it absolutely attack you know, attack that it's not a free market solution yeah which is like because she ran on the aspect of like uh like stand with cindy and those were whole you know campaigns right like you know you stand with cindy you know it's for common sense government a smaller government but she signed uh citizens gas like citizens gas wouldn't build stuff here unless they got these eminent domain bills for the co2 pipelines so it's like I can't get this corporation to build here unless I give it power to take property when it wants to do it. So they signed that in the law, so yeah. it's a big one. Like yeah. Everybody signed on to it to do it. You know, and if you, take her, if you take her on on that and point that out, you know, the, the free market people that would have voted Republican you know, are not going to like the fact that she's doing that, okay? And so you can own that issue. You can champion it. And you can also find something that the Democrat maybe would have tried to champion or whatever and also fall short on, especially if they have a voting record. If they come from another office, maybe they were a county councilman, check, check their voting record and see what they did and, and try to champion something on their side. And it's not that you it's not that you flip-flop on the issues and you don't tell one crowd one thing and tell another. I mean, you have to answer the questions that they ask, and you have to be honest, you have to be consistent in your campaign, but you don't have to lead with them. And you can also do the classic bait-and-switch. I mean, I hate to say it, I hate it when other politicians do it, but people who are not versed in it don't pick up on it. So when they ask one question, especially if you know you're not going to like their answer, say, well, you know, that is an important question, but, you know, this wouldn't be an issue if we didn't have this problem, which is one of the things I'm trying to champion. So it's the old, oh, you're asking me about this? Thanks for asking that. Now let me tell you what I'm going to do about this. You know what I mean? And, and I mean, it's political sleight of hand, but, I mean, listen, the, the masses out there are not going to pick up on that. You know what I'm saying? But, I mean, they get bamboozled by the old two parties with it constantly. So we have to be crafty when we deliver our messages the same way as they. It's kind of, it's kind of a unique situation as well because uh, due to the right of work issue for Indiana, like the AF, AFLCIO is like full blown, like let's just throw as much money as possible to different kind of candidates and the different kind of ideals at the time. Sure. So any Democrat function I'm going to go to is going to be heavily backed by the AFCIO. So it's like they know what the libertarian platform is. They know what your market platform is. Sure. They know exactly and if they attack you on it, you could also point out that there's federal law legislation that mandates that unions have to collectively bargain for employees that don't want to join the union. And you can point out that that's where the government failure is at the federal level, that that's against libertarian policies, that they should be staying out of all private contracting. And, and, and no, people shouldn't be forced to join a union if they don't want to be, but the union shouldn't be forced to collectively bargain for people. You know, part of their group. Right, and that's that's at the federal level. I understand the point, I understand that right. point but that's the exact same pocket point that Republicans are sitting in as well. The exact well, same and you can have common ground with Republicans. So, it's okay. I mean, you, you don't have to be afraid to have common ground when, when they're on the right side. Okay, don't don't be afraid to uh, you know be chiming in per se with the Republicans when they're on the right side, when they're on the liberty side of the issue. I mean, you can't be afraid to defend you know the principles that we stand for. You know, like how what percentage of people there are actually employees? 
Well, Beach Grove, not very many. It's actually very... Because the, the whole thing is that it, it always gets... The human side always, always frames it as they're against the working man, right? Well, what's good for the union and what's good for the working man are not one the same. I mean, there's a lot of stuff you can do research on. We put up Henry Hadley's Economics in One Lesson. There, there's a, a chapter in there about um, about unions and collective bargaining. There's a... Mises.org website. Okay, Mises.org. If you go on there, if you want to write it down, there's a, it's an essay. It's, you know, I don't know how long it is. We, we have a union, but it's not, they're not private unions. We have the largest public sector union in the fire department, police department. And they have the benefit of some like, taxpayer See, public goal. and private unions are totally, that's you're really different. different public unions can squeeze, like, it's like if, you're not going to the public unit because like, their money comes from taxes. It's like they'll increase your taxes to keep going along. Right. And since they're a public unit, it's like the fire department, the police department. No politician wants to touch a police unit and just being like, police are like, we're going to go on strike. Because the whole amount now, like, okay, I've got one whatever now. Or the fire department's like, we're not going to put out fires anymore. And since the whole district told us right, then politicians would be like, okay, well, we're going to stop it. I, the only thing I'd say about that is you have to refer back to that chart that, that I think Jerry showed us where, you know, 10 or 11% of the people are at each poll and nothing you say is ever going to satisfy yeah. them. You know what I mean? So, I mean, when you're looking for the panacea or the golden goose or the band-aid, listen, if liberty doesn't resonate with people on some level, then we're not, we're not ever going to get them. There are, there are statists in the world. What can I say? I mean, you know, they exist. You and I are not going to change their mind. You know, Ron Ron Ball isn't going to change their mind. I mean, this is one of those battleground districts. Yes, that's right. Very, very hard. So you're you're split down the middle. You know, you're going to have to get put some thought into your campaign. I mean, you know, obviously you're going to tie together liberty. It's a chance to show people. You know, I, I would, I would, I would probably go into a situation like that and say, listen, you know, we have we switched this district back and forth from Democrat to Republican. And both of these parties and both of these platforms come to you with some issues that are correct. When are they correct? They're correct when they, when they defend your individual Okay, it's either that both of these parties do part of that at times, but only one party is here to deliver it across the board. Okay, and, and that's how you sell yourself and, and differentiate yourself from them. Will it win your election? I, I don't know. Because you know what? There aren't a lot of people yet that really embrace liberty. I mean, I, I, that's one of the reasons we fail as well, and we can't ignore it. I mean, it's not just that they don't understand us or they don't know us or they don't trust us. There's still a good section of people out there who are scared shitless of liberty. I mean, we want nothing to do with it. Well, in the argument, like I was going to say, there was, there's an essay called The Theory of Collective Bargaining. What never gets brought up is essentially, I mean, what is there, like 8 to 10% of union workers, right? They always frame, the unions always frame it as the unions and the working class are one and the same. Well, essentially, the only real way to raise wages is to raise productivity. Okay? Unions don't do that. They go negotiate a lot of times higher than market wages. What does that do? You have to pay for it another way. So, in essence, the, higher, the, the artificially high wages that the unions get result in lower wages than normal in other industries that that, that you know, business may work with. So, so, if they have a vendor that's a non union, it may drive down what they're able to pay at a market rate because they're paying a higher rate here. So, I would say do as much research as you can because don't let it get framed as they're against those what's, what's good for the union. So, it may not always necessarily be, but that may be to the detriment of the rest of the working class. But most people don't they don't research it and don't think about it. And that's a point that never gets brought up. And, and thank you. Too many people allow. I hope this will allow it to get framed as as that and the reality is they don't. Some, sometimes they're they're doing things that are at the detriment of other people, but no one ever points it out. They just assume that they're right. They assume yeah. because because the union laborers are working class. That what's good for union laborers is good for the rest right. of the working class. Sometimes so. the argument has, has to simply be not what should government do, be doing about this issue, but why is government even in this issue? Some you know people sometimes don't tell. Uh, their elected officials, like they're the panacea, like they're you know they're the ones who are going to address and fix and do everything for them. But so often the issue shouldn't even be in the realm of government. And so we have to. We no one, none of the other parties are ever going to say that. 
Okay, because they all want the power one way or the other. Somebody has to be the guy who stands up and says, why are they even in this at all? Why are we making elected officials and making government business out of private things that should be handled private? Yeah. Like our school system. I mean, I, I, right. think, I try to keep away more like, as low like, possible. Like, when I, when when I, when I created my talking yeah. points, you know, I basically like, yeah. 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 I'm not even touching that. Because I'm just going to fall in But it's just that I made my arguments of marriage. Like, you're going to word marriage totally from the Constitution. Is it even in the Constitution? In Indiana Constitution. Oh, Indiana. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to say it's not in the federal. Right. In the state. State. Right. Yeah, because it's state level. You're right. Removing that, you know, getting rid of like excise sales and income tax. Not not right. lowering income. Republican majority is lower taxes. Right. And I'm just going to bar all this, you know, like right. lowering that. Lowering Rick Nays, like removing the seatbelt walls, you know, just all this heavy regulation. Sure. So I'm just like, I see her talking points, and her talking points. I'm not tackling the union issue. I'm saying, you know, those are And right. the other issues I've heard were like a unicameral legislature to stop lobbying because Nebraska has to make the legislature. It stops lobbying. That's the whole point of it. You can't pander house to Nebraska because it's a free So, you know, citizens' legislature, so if you get 5% of the Secretary of State, you're allowed these citizens of Congress to come together that 10 delegates to the average Congress. So a total rehaul of like the Indian Constitution is shackled down and reconstructed. So the usual reason is you take what the old system is, you smash it down, you reconstruct it based on individual liberty, and you the up. So it's basically rewriting the whole Indian Constitution from the ground up. Okay. So, so that's that's going to be like your number one campaign issue? You're going to you're going to advocate for rewriting the whole Indian Constitution? Yeah. Okay, that's a big chunk. That is, that's a big chunk. <laughs> I, I think you should narrow down a little bit and be more localized. Like, it's almost like ballpark. When you're when you become the benevolent ruler of Indiana, you can tackle that. <laughs> right. But until then, you need to focus on who you're talking to. Just like we mentioned, you know, your demographic is flip floppy between Republican and Democrat. Focus on that. I'm steady liberty. Right. Well, let's have me. I mean, that's what that's what the uni. That's what the you know, would, would you get in a debate in which you can use your ideology? Thoughts regarding rewriting the Constitution. Fine, use it then. But when you're out trying to sell yourself, yes. somebody, or somebody wants to be very relatable. Politics yes, relatable. Good. Somebody once said all politics are local. So when you, if your message out to the voters is you know uh, changing the Indiana Constitution or whatever, people are going to say, well, how, how does that relate to me? And how is that going to? What's the what's the glue that connects that back to my day to day life or whatever? So. You got to keep in mind that you're, you're coming at, right now. You're coming at a ninety thousand foot level. There's nothing wrong with that, but your constituency is going to be down much closer to the ground, right? And so they I would, want to I would know advise about. you to you know, be aware of that. Okay. Now, although I mean, a libertarian campaign is the is the classic you know place to come in with uh, you know uh, even out of the norm ideas or whatever should I say extreme I don't mean to call you that or that idea extremist but it is compared to somebody saying I want to lower the tax rate by 1% I mean so in, in you know in context it's extreme I don't mean it as an insult Jay's my point Jay, my big one if I'm elected is to totally revamp the education system not the constitution that's, that's bigger than why but I just totally want to do away with all the administration county to county but I'm not going to walk up to Grandma, and tell her that I'm, I'm going to try and relate to her one on one. See, but like what, what I seen with that was like the unicameral stuff is when you when you watch the Indiana legislature, it's so gridlocked with how it's going. Like you know, the Democrats will consistently walk out, consistently just push bills through without any public discourse on it. So there's a lot of lobbying going on on both sides. You know, the AFL CEO with the Democrats telling them to walk out, the corporate lobbyists telling the Republicans to push these bills through over and over and over again. I mean, not just the issue of right to work, but with the eminent domain bills that preceded that, and with, you know, that rate hikes they're putting on taxes. Like, those are all preceded by corporate interests. That corporate Some of that gridlock's a good thing, though. That's why this is the election for the libertarians to really get out there and push. Liberty is because of that. I see it every day. Right, and, and, and try 
already tra- take that angle of saying, why is the government the mechanism to make, you know, to, to rule in these areas? You know, why is a private contract, uh, you know, handling these things? I guess it's more like, a, it's more like an anti-lobbyist stance, trying to yeah. prevent lobbying as much right. as possible. Now, when we say unicameral house, you're talking about, like, not having a Senate, just having, like, a House of Representatives. Uh, Nebraska has it where... Uh, is, that, back, is that right? Yeah. Do I understand yeah. that correctly? Nebraska, back in, like, yeah. the 50s, was like, there was an issue with people coming in and lobbying on both sides, like House Democrats were totally different than Senate Democrats, so lobbyists would go to one to right. block a bill that's through. So okay. nothing got passed in Nebraska, so they reformed it where it combined the House and Senate sure. to legislature, so you can cross To me, they'll just take, I mean, the battle will just go to one House instead of two. I mean, they're still going to draw... Yeah. The, the battle lines. I right? think there's like yeah. there's term too, so it kind of blockade. I am I am personally a fan of term limits now. Interestingly enough, I actually desperately wish that that we didn't live in a society where we would actually need them because technically we we have the ability to term limit every single politician by going and voting them out of office. Yep. And a part of me says. Isn't it, isn't it a shame that another part of me wants term limits because people aren't smart enough to vote out the idiots that they keep re-electing? You know? So I'm like torn really between the two. I mean, the purist of me says, we don't need term limits. We already have them. It's called vote. It's called voting. But unfortunately, the reality is that we don't. what we don't have is an educated electorate. And sadly, term limits treatment for symptoms. Exactly. You're exactly right. And I, and I, so, I mean, I even ran that on my platform in 2010. I, I, I talked about implementing term limits as one of my one of my things, and then since then, I'm like, changed my mind on it slightly. Not because I want people to stay in office forever, I want exactly the opposite of that. I think it's necessary with, with super pock situations. Yeah. Like, when you have a super pack, they can sit there and just be like, here's millions and millions and millions right. of dollars. So aren't they just going to buy the next guy? Yeah, it's like, I'll just buy an election. Well, will you just buy the next candidate? I mean, well, getting one crook out of office just puts another one in. And term limits also empower those that are unelected, because a lot of the staff stay around, especially when you have oh, one, right. one person who essentially, let's say, I'm term limited, but I want my good buddy here to be to take my place. Oh, and by the way, he's going to have all of my staff and all my connections and all of my and connections. All my other so, good old boy so the people that worked for me and now work for him are the ones that are actually power brokers. And you come back as an advisor, exactly. Right. And then you have, the, you have the appearance of change, but nothing changed. Right. Well, it, it did. It took the power away from the voters to to actually make that change. And that's the danger that comes with like, like a Jacksonian uh, situation where, like, like you're Andrew Jackson, and you're just going to put in all your friends and everyone in my cabinet yeah. positions because they're going to back me on every decision I'm going to make, right. no matter how ridiculous. Well, and it not is. only that, but the people that develop the relationships in that body are going to be the ones that are unelected because they know that they're going to be there because they're going to go from my staff to his staff to his staff to his staff, and I only I may only be able to serve two terms, he may only be able to serve two terms, he may only be able to serve two, he may only be able to serve two, but the people that work for us served eight. Think about the relationships that you're able to create with that. The kind of, the kind of issues that I'm, I want to promote and to, and to, you know, to really work with on for the next, the next election are low-hanging fruit, things that are easy for us to make arguments on. Something as simple as blue laws. It's, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I've thought about this. Sales on we can't buy car sales. beer on Sundays, we can't buy a car on Sunday right. in Indiana. Those are some issues that we can win at the front door. Here's how we did that in Georgia. We didn't talk about it from, uh, we want to make it happen. We talked about giving the locality the control to choose. Correct. Yeah, we want to make it. We, we all, anytime we can be on the on the side of uh, of letting people have choices or, or or be free, you know, slogan is basically going to be legalized freedom. You should be legal. To, you should be able. To, if you want to make it transaction, do it. Keep talking your stances because if I'm the county next to you and I'm going to promote you also, I need to know where you stand. Absolutely. Here's, here's the thing. Oh, actually, that brings up a good point. If I may interrupt here, I'll, I'll be brief. Um, we we probably should try to brand our state rep candidates and our state senate candidates along similar lines, at least on one or maybe two issues. 
you know, maybe not every issue works in your locality or whatever, but, you know, for instance, I heard you mentioned something about taxes. Taxes is something we're all interested in. We, in 2010, we sort of took this kind of attack on property tax. We chose to all sort of focus and gang up, and most of us chose to put that as one of our issues that we called that, you know, like the most heinous of taxes because you can't even really consistently own your own home or property as long as the government claims first, you know, first claim the right to it. If you don't pay your property taxes, they snatch it from you. And we felt that was particularly heinous in, of all the taxes. And so I'm not suggesting that you guys do that in your, uh, that issue, but it, we, we could hold a couple of summits or whatever, even teleconferences. We can get people on board, try to build and see if we can get a consensus. And that way when we do statewide advertisement or outreach or whatever, we can say, look, we're the party of trying to do this issue, and we've got, you know, James, right? And Jeremiah, and, you know, on board with this in your area or whatever. So we can kind of, you know, sort of build a, you know, a coalition, I guess, you know, not that we're all haphazard. And so I think there's some strength to that, and, and some uh, repetition is good, and, you know, hearing it from more than one source. So um, I, I strongly suggest, and if I were running for state house this year, which I almost did before I got called to work on Gary Johnson's presidential campaign, um, that's still that, time for you to get in. No, I'm not going to get in. I, can't do I, I couldn't hardly do my own campaign and still keep a job. There's no way in the world I can do both, trust me. So anyway, but I, I would highly suggest that you guys at least consider um, looking into that and, and seeing if you can get them to do a consensus on an issue or two that you can all sort of run on across the state. I think it will help you in the long run. I think it will help yep. you all. Some other things we got some really big mileage with last year and something I'm going to make a part of my campaign is India's Fourth Amendment with the, the you know, oh, no, off absolutely. Yeah. the Bars versus State decision that, that, that came out. Uh, and I, I just wrote an angry letter about the government one day. Uh, would have sent it off to about sure. six newspapers. And it went to some Gannett papers, and they wound up publishing my letter in New Jersey and Pennsylvania. Right. It went all over the country, also talking about the Barnes sure. State. Well, like I said, I think you guys as right. candidates should decide with that and maybe hold a summit. And I'm sorry, I cut you off, sir, so please go ahead. I was just going to say, you may already know this, as I understand some of these, you know, no alcohol, no cars on Sundays, all that kind of stuff. Um, kind of need to know who the real opposition is because as I understand that and a lot of this is like that you have to kind of follow who's lobbying for those and a lot of times it's the car the, the big, the, basically the guys who have 10 car dealerships are all across the city form a little cartel and go and say hey you know what we kind of want a day off here but we don't want you know uh, uh, you know, Jim's uh, mom and pop auto dealer right here right. to sell cars to take away from our business on Sunday so keep it close so so I guess it, it'll save us a day of labor. Yeah. You have to. So I guess yeah. But they want to close off competition. Right. right. Small guys to be able to be open. Right. So, so, so it is a competition. Oh, so, it's, so, right. it's, so it's sold to the public as a you know a religious. We yeah. People drink on Sundays. Well, really, it's because the Twenty First Amendment guys are not come to work on right. Sunday. Right. Right. But they don't want again the mom and pop liquor store down the store to take away from the business. But you have right. Meyer and Marsh that would already be open yeah. anyway. Yeah. yeah. So so can sell. So you kind of have to know who lives there. Who's in a grocery store? Only sell, you have to sell it in one of those special and they and, and a, you can only sell cold beer in a liquor store and a liquor store can't sell soft drinks. So you mix them right. Yeah, so right. You, can't, you can't mix them together. <laughs> you can only buy wine and beer from actual in like any state breweries and wineries. Right. Yeah, they, they have special special examples that are far back. The, the, I guess the point they're trying to make is that we, we don't want special interest. Did you really? Yeah. And, and free markets, and that's an easy free market issue for us to win. Just didn't notice. He didn't know he was working on Sunday. Consolidation. Thing. What I'm trying to say. I don't know how you did that. And the earth didn't come to me. Is we should allow. Personally, that's an earth-shattering event. I don't want the state of Indiana to tell everybody they have to consolidate together. Put a nice town. That's even more hilarious. Everyone combined together. Here you go. 
Oh, you're saying it's like, it's like, yeah. like, if they want to okay, do it, that's fine. We have some people walking up to the man. He's like, what do you mean? Administration. It's still Saturday night, and he's like, uh, my point is you shouldn't have felt like a criminal. You didn't do anything that you harmed anyone other than perhaps yourself. I would like to get my And price I don't know how it, it, at least, though, if you lived in the woods or under a bridge or whatever, you could have paid a tax and buying a tax money. I mean, you know, you've got to own some land to be able to call your own to rest your head on it. And as long as the property tax, you know, you have to have an income from year to year to pay that to keep that money. And that's where I really take exception. And, and they, they, you know, that's a real violation. The property rights should be able to pay the money. You know I mean? I mean, they should be able to all property should be private. Like, we own to consumption is back. I'm there. Well, that is and it is true depending on how you look at it. I mean, first of all, nobody forces you into taking a mortgage. You do that in your own theory. You know, you buy the shirt, you may be sales tax on it. I mean, you buy it for the rest of your life, you own it. So if they find savings, comes up to the door and says, they can't shirt tax day, you know, throw some money back in the coffin and take the shirt away. So, I mean, why should property give them the ability to be different? You know, it shouldn't be a tax event. The tax from property should just go to like utility companies solely on the utility companies to pay off the utility companies. Because they, they, they literally like can only have it. They can have that fund their generation. 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 I mean, I can justify the tax of saying that they strictly go to utilities to pay the utility bill. We also have to pay for a tax. They have to pay for a service. We'll sell them that they have to build a state highway. And if you didn't pay it, you wouldn't take your home away from you, you just wouldn't have utilities. So you'd have to live you know, a I mean, that's, that's where, you know, that's where it comes into the classic, are we anarchists or are we libertarians? You know, I mean, there, that debate is alive within this party. There are, there are some people in this party that are essentially pure anarchists that believe no taxation is, is just or justified or called for. We have others who say, look, I mean, you know, we can have some taxation because some libertarians feel like government is good when it protects your rights, when it protects your individual rights, when it does what it's designed to do, and, and the cost 
but he was doing that is something that works. So some level of taxation may be appropriate, although it may be very, very small, and resembling nothing of the taxation So, I mean, that, that argument exists in the inside this party, and I, I would never be the guy who would try to tell you that you have to be in one team with that or another. I mean, I'm not a litmus test guy. You know, I mean, the point, the point I always try to make is we're so far away from either of those situations right now that we might as well work as a team until we get close. And then if we have to divide and have an argument over the last half a mile, then we will. But we're millions of miles away from where we should be, so why not work together to get closer? And, and some people also, that's also an opinion that does not necessarily prevail inside this party, although I, I wish it did. There are some people that, that feel we need to advocate for 100% delivery positions today. We go from here to here overnight or nothing. And who am I to tell them they're wrong? I'm too libertarian to tell them they're wrong. I just disagree. I, I just think that we didn't get from here to here overnight. I don't think we're likely to get from here back overnight. I think it's going to take time, and we got to get people thinking our direction, or else we'll never get in power. Frankly, yeah. I'm sorry. Let me go and finish. I kind of like Ron Paul's uh, situation where he's like, "This is going to die tomorrow." And like FDA, all this stuff will just die by tomorrow. Like totally neglecting the fact that the entire Congress says it's going to prevent you. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure how much of that he could do by executive order. I think there's some of the stuff he could get rid of, by actually, by doing I mean, But I'm not sure everything that he wants to get rid of he can do by executive order. He can reduce their powers. And yeah. Well, anything that was created by executive order. That's right. He, he could, could certainly he could by, rescind yep. by yeah. Yeah. executive order. Go ahead, Jeremiah. I'm sorry. I, getting back to the, the mechanics of the actual campaign and paperwork that you had to file, Yeah. I understand the, the issue, things we have to do with the state, but I've gotten, like, when I filed my EIN number, I got some stuff from the IRS. Do you have filings with them that you have to do, or what? No. Or to, to um, form other than getting your EIN, I don't believe there's. To my knowledge, I'm not. I'm not aware of anything that else. That means my campaign had to do with federal at all. Okay. But um, I went through a, a litany of things for this for the state, and then I also even had the county calling me and saying, "Well, you didn't file your courtesy copy." I said, "Well, if it's a courtesy copy, I didn't feel courteous." I mean, is it a law or is it not? Yeah, I didn't mean to pick a bone or a fight with them, but I mean, I don't understand the concept of a courtesy copy. Right. Courtesy to who? For who? For what? And why? Right. I mean, it is if I have to come down there and do it, I will. If you're going to throw me in jail, and if not, then guess what? I'm not going to do it. Get it from the state. You know, I already filed with them. Right. Right. You know, it doesn't make sense for you know Marion County to have one county to do, but I would have three. Right. It doesn't make sense to do the courtesy, in my opinion. And, and yeah. that's why they abolished. Is that right? Yeah. Thank God. You don't have to do that. So, one small victory, right? We're now that much closer to my, my campaign doesn't have to file a tax return at the end of the year or pay taxes no. on any income or anything like no. that. You don't have any income or advice. Yeah, it changes like I think you hire employees or whatever. You, you are technically a 727 of the tax code. Okay. okay. Which is a jumbo jet, I think. Yeah. Small jumbo jet. Small one. So what you're saying is like we should unify positions so it's not like an issue. Spangle over here is like a different libertarian than what I am. Like totally. He's like he's like let's call like a libertarian right. You know, that's this is like I'm a libertarian left, but two totally different economic functions here. Some of these guys might be yeah. moderates, you know what I mean? Like right. Yeah. Moderate. So, like, what he's going to argue for the Libertarian Party platform would just be something totally different than what I'm going to argue. I mean, like, to him, like, my argument is the same. Like, like, it's like, are you on crack? Yeah, that happens sometimes. I don't know. I think you have to apply it to Yeah. Right. That's a differentiation. Yeah, I mean, Chris Spangle's not going to elect you. Right. Okay. And you're not going to get anything done unless you get elected. Right. So, that's his point. Shouldn't there be any consistency? Well, listen. I don't, I'm not, first of all, I'm not the supreme ruler of the Libertarian Party, not even in, the, not even in my county. Okay, I, I may be the leader of the table now, but something could change at any moment. So, even if I were, I don't think I'd be in the mindset of dictating to you all how to run your campaigns. I'm merely making a suggestion that to build a party, to build our brand, to eventually get to greater success, I think it might be a good idea if we picked one just maybe one or even two uh, issues that we sort of kind of come to a consensus on across the entire state. So is that advice that we should take? Like you said, it's entirely up to you. Listen, I'm, I'm too libertarian to tell you what to do, man. Honest to God, and I, I'm like to the core libertarian that way. I, I'm not going to tell you how to run your campaign. I don't have the power to do it anyway, even if I wanted to. I mean, I may have plenty of advice for you, but at the end of the day, it's just advice. Okay? I mean, 
Um, you just, you're free to run it how you want. You just I want mean, to make sure that you run, you have your campaign organized in a way that's going to promote the Libertarian right. Party. Not, you know, you don't. Last thing you want to do is embarrass the Libertarian Party because right. you want to be able to promote your agenda the next time, two years from now. You still want to find two people that are on the SCC or county chairs that are willing to That's, that's, that's a good point. Exactly. And let me take it from there if I could and interrupt. You know, if you convince your county chair that you're a good Libertarian candidate and he vouches for you and you convince another few people of the delegation and they, they, they support you and, you know, and say, this is our guy, we want him to be our candidate, um, you know, then you're probably going to win the party's nomination. Okay? And you'll probably be the candidate. At that point in time, um, you know, I, even if I were to greatly disagree with what you're doing personally, I, I, at that point in time, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go out of my way to come into your district and talk to you or tell you or tell you to change your mind. But if you are, if you are very far away from where most of us are in this party, I mean, it's probably not, frankly, fair to either one of us to try to make a match out of it. That's all. I mean, honestly, I mean, so that's that's the only thing I would say. In the party, right? Oh, it's beautiful. You spoke that perfect. Okay. If, if your if your tactics or your message is going to harm the efforts of other people, that's when we start to have a problem. It's not about message. I mean, it's it's about you know, Greg Greg who's back in the literature said one time, you know, when people come up and ask him, you know, why why do you keep running for office even though you don't win? He said, it's because I'm building something for the next generation so my son or grandson can win his libertarian. And that's the point. You're furthering the ball. That's right. And if you're not furthering the ball, then you're hurting the party by wearing a tuxedo shirt to a debate or you know, because you think that draws attention to you, then that's not something you want to do. You know what I mean? Like, but if you're going to go out there and you're going to explain how we can't have private roads, and you can do it in a way that is thoughtful, do it. You know what I mean? I mean, it's it's that's the difference. Is most people try to draw attention to themselves through wacky means, and that rarely works. Yeah. What you're saying is, don't be a douche. <laughs> right. I, 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 I think in a certain manner of speaking, I think that's exactly what Talking to you over the last three months, you're a very intelligent person, and you can create you can create arguments and thoughts that are coherent and very thoughtful and smart. Tap into that, you know, and don't worry about the 4chan mentality of trying to, you know, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, just, yeah. and that's all I have to say. <laughs> I've run out of gas. Alright, hey. Deadlines. Deadlines? Deadlines. Alright, we're getting closer to deadlines. Yeah. We need to know deadlines. Well, dead, all of the deadlines are in that campaign manual. And I might add, in addition to that, you've got to get to know this gentleman right here. And if you're not the guy who's running your campaign, if you're fortunate enough to have somebody who's going to help you meet those deadlines, get him plugged into this guy. And let me tell you why. They print the manual, and then they vote to change the law, and it's not in the manual, and they change the deadlines. And if you went by the manual and missed it, it's your fault. Oh, shit. How about that? No, no, I'm on, on camera cussing. Sorry about that. But I mean, essentially, that's the truth. This guy knows when they pull zingers like that, and he'll let you know, or he'll let his county chair know. So make sure that you're that somehow you're plugged into our hierarchy, either via county chair who's going to know that information, or you got somebody on Chris's mail list who's sending out updates like that because they're subject to change. And it's, that really stinks. On the blast, I'm going to have a Facebook group for candidates, a secret Facebook group where we can swap in. That's cool. Uh, it's not organized? Yeah. And I was okay, just, I'd say, no problem. so how do I get a county chair? I would like to have one. Well, um, you know what I had to do when I was a candidate and didn't have a county chair? Guess what? I had to become the county chair. Okay? And so that's the way it works in the LP. Uh, <laughs> you can sit around and gripe about the fact that you don't have you're organized, or you can organize it. I'm sorry. Listen, if you haven't picked up on it now, it's not like we have endless resources. Okay? We've got to build a party so we have better resources, so we make it better for people. So if your county's not organized, organize it, man. It's like starting a religion in Hank yeah. County, so it's going to be like. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how else to describe it. I mean. Don't be afraid. I never ran for office before I ran in 2010. I just got so irritated and angry. I said, I, I don't care that I don't know uh, how 
to do it. I'm just going to do it. And I did the same thing if I became a county chair. I had no idea. I, I wasn't groomed to be a county chair. I never went to school to be a county chair. No one told me. I, I just said, you know what? We need a county chair. I'm going to be. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. Uh, Rob, uh, Rob, what? Yeah. Right. I don't think they need to donate to the chair. But they do refresh to have a chair. But, you know, like Culver Military Academy, one of the uh, alumni in Culver is the Red Brothers. Like, um, they but no, I, I don't think they have any. Okay. They're a billion dollar interest. They're always like, I'm a libertarian. This is how I vote. But do they even donate to libertarian? I think they did. At some time, right? But they don't. You're talking about the Culver Brothers? Yeah. Uh, as vice president, yeah, one of them ran in '80 as vice president. Yeah, but the year that with Ed Clark, they're not donating to us now, though. To the party, no, no. but they do like uh, potato to and, and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, they, got, they do think tanks. They they figured out that their money is, or they think that their money is better spent yeah. influencing yeah. philosophy, or pushing yeah. philosophy yeah. rather than right. putting and it directly in the political party. Because there's a lot of because there's a lot of we get into one of these infighting because of it was. I did this in November, and then on like the seventh, like the night back. Yeah. Mike, Rebecca was telling me this earlier. The story. CFA four. Rebecca's been around since the start of the LBN years. If not the start of the LBN period, but in any case, she said she said that that's what happened. There's never been a couple of philosophical splits in the party where the where the that's your origination. I don't know, like the radicals per se versus the pragmatists. I think that's got, the, the long-standing debate. The thing I told you about, my view about how far away from where we should be, even though me, you and I may not necessarily agree on the final destination, we both know we're very far away. It's the freedom train. And I'm willing to work incrementally because I believe that's progress towards the goal, whereas other people, and I'm not telling them they're wrong. And that's just their opinion. Say no, that's wrong. We don't work incrementally. we got to go to the end zone for the touchdown today. And, and you know what? I, Again, I'm too libertarian to tell them they're wrong. I just, I just don't agree. And so there have been splits like that in the party, and one of those caused kind of like the Cato people to split off from the LP party. And, and there have been, there have been LP party. I mean, I haven't been around that long, but I've heard stories of people who've been in for a long time. There have been LP national conventions where they're discussing stuff like. What, what should the what should be the policy of, of property rights on the moon yeah. and other various things that I swear to God there used to be there used to be platforms yes. positions uh, that about were, space that, were, that would make you interstellar you know shake yeah. your head I mean I no offense to maybe watching this who's a long time LP here but I'm new to the party and I wasn't around when those were the debates so it's alien to me but I'm just telling you that alien <laughs> no pun intended but um this is the kind of the evolution we've been through and. It has caused rifts, and it's caused people like the Koch brothers to say, I'm not donating to that party. They're talking about moon stuff when we need to be focusing on, you know, liberty issues. So, uh, yeah, it's, we've been there. Every party's talking about moon stuff. I watched the Republican. Well, the Republican, yeah, new Republican. Well, moon base, that's right. Apparently, moon base is more <laughs> Luckily for us as state candidates, we don't have much jurisdiction over Yeah, moon. a lot of libertarians may would love to go to the moon. Most of them would advocate for private industry figuring out how to get us there and making money off of it and turning it into the you know, free market. Google Cato Institute, Rothbard, right. uh, Coach. Yeah, find out you'll find out all the the split and why they don't know. You know, and and when, I will say this: the people in Indiana. I mean, you're seeing a, a good representation of the Indiana LP in this room right here. Many of the folks are a lot like the rest of the folks in this room. They're, I think, pretty pragmatic. They're not absolutists that we got to go to the end zone run today. Um, that was my initial exposure to the LP. I went to the national convention and saw the rest, the other side of the coin. He's laughing because he knows exactly. Exactly what I'm getting at here, and it was it was a little bit of a shock to me, frankly. And I, it was in St. Louis, and I drove back here after the convention, and I did some soul searching, and I said to myself, if I, if this isn't for me, this I mean, this party aligns with what I believe philosophically. If this political party isn't right for me, there's there's nowhere else for me to go. I mean, where in the world am I going to go? I'm going to start the party of Ron Senkush? I can pretty much tell you that isn't going to cut it. Okay? I know it's going nowhere. I, there's no other decent option for me. So I, I'm committed to bringing in more like-minded people and just overvoting the others. You know? And, and, and there is an objectivist party that has four members. Is that right? Yeah. They might be my perfect fit, but you know what? They're not going to get anybody elected. As soon as they get ballot access, right. final thoughts. That's right. So, I mean, there's a balance of saying, yeah, I, look, I have to... I doubt you're a 
grandiose. <laughs> yeah, we have to get together and get with people who are going to succeed. Also, otherwise we're just sitting around blowing smoke. Okay, we can sit around and have a full philosophical discussion all day long, and you may win. But if we're not going to get a coalition and build power and get people elected into office and affect policy change, then it's all just talk. And, and, and I mean, I've talked enough. I've talked enough today. I, I, we need we need action, you know. And we got to get action by winning voters, by winning influence, you know. And and you do that by leading with the issues that matter to them. And so when your issues don't match up with what you think theirs are, you've got to try to find the issues that you do match up with. This would be like a non... Most of the conversation is kind of bent on platform. Right, right. So it's kind of like metaphysical. Sure. You know what I mean? So I'll try. So there's something more real than the candidate situation. Uh, fundraising. All right. What qualifies as fundraising? Like, I have bands that I know that are able to host a show out of the, the Hoosier Dome, which is a place downtown uh, Indianapolis, uh, Southside. Uh, it's permissible for for the bands to play there and they collect money going like door cover charge like five something dollars and all the money goes to proceeds to a candidacy with maybe like some of the money going to the house to pay for like the lights, electricity, stuff like that. Just yeah, it, certainly that's fine, but I think it, it, it probably should. at that point it, the question is who does the donation come from? Is the band then donating? The proceeds. It, it should actually be a suggested donation at the door rather than a cover charge. Yeah. And then you would actually be forced to ha let people in for free. Um, but you can have a suggested donation. Um, or your band could. The band could also band just make it. A, a, oh, the, 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 the band could charge and then make a lump sum donation of five hundred dollars. Right. Because you have seven hundred dollars to your charge. I think that would be easier. Right. Right. Suggested right. donation. I mean, you can't track that by any That's means. Right. Right. But right. if you had the band put on the show, yeah. they give you the money they pay. You know, right. If you're the license, they just yeah. And you get the profit. Band donating money. That's right. Or they are more specifically the individual members of the band. Right. You know, let's say they're all together. Well, if they made enough, then you break it down. Yes. And then each one gets two hundred. Right, and then you capture their name and whatever. Yes, and that's how you handle. But certainly, it's legal. It's just a matter of the semantics of how you. And you can certainly advertise it to promote. Yeah, these people are, are having a, a uh, this man promoting promotion this campaign so that you, you your name is still tied to it, and then the, you'll you know at the end of it the money will still flow to your campaign. Ultimately, you just have to make sure that the people who were the initial source of the money knows where the end source of the money is going. That's very important. They have to know in some way that it will go to you. Because there's a guy that we, we know, he works at uh, Jay Clyde's. Which one? Oh, Todd. Yeah, there's a guy named Todd who, uh, a little crazy, he has like Ayn Rand tattooed on for his body. Like, <laughs> like face, quotes, sure. stuff like that. That's just who he is. And he hosts shows here, and sometimes talks about moving to San Francisco, Portland, but that's, that's just not sure. But he's a, he's a concert promoter. He promotes uh, different hardcore shows around the area, which is in my district. Okay. So I, I talked to him before, you know, like, I talked about the signs of the bar, that's okay, cool with them. That's about a show, too. I'm like, are you ever hold a benefit show, and money goes to candidacy for the district? And he's like, yeah, we can definitely do that. You know, get five, six bands on the bill. And it's like, you know, these bands usually bring in like 40 or 50, 60 people, depending on like, what band it is and what the other night it is. And like, that's the second guy I talked about, like, getting the youth involved into volunteerism. And as long as these bands are there and like they're playing the music, collecting the donation money, then you can get like a message outreach to them. Because the kids that go to these shows are uh, not like the normal kids you see at the high school, and like the hoodies, and, you know, it's a normal life. Right. They're, they're, they're heavily pierced, heavily tatted young kids. They're very. Uh, very, yeah, they're very anarchist, very left wing. Sure. You know what I mean? So like they're very into. I want to do what I want. Mm -hmm. You should stop me from doing what I want. So like they'll fall in line with this philosophy, like this party on the merits of you know. You know, I like to do it. If I want to smoke pot without being in trouble for it, you know, I should be able to do that. You right. know, I hate that I can't drink on twenty one. I hate that you know, I might go to war sometimes. They hate all those ideas. They might not agree with the economic side because that's young kids, you know, they, what they believe at the time, like, sure. oh, it's unfair that, you know, poor people would So, so they hate the state when it tells them what to do, they love the state when it pays for their education. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, anarch <laughs> anarcho-socialism. <laughs> what I mean, it's really a kind of, anarchist is the absence of the state, socialism is virtually the whole, right. so yeah. it's, it's very total mixed up, uh, they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> they're really, they're not, <laughs> they're like, 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 they're like
they're ultra left on the uh, economic scale, but ultra right on the social scale. Kind of thing. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't want to do it because I'm right. Because there's those straight edge kids as well. They promote a very ideological, like, if you're not like me, I like free you're stuff done. too. Yeah. But you know, but there's a point that there are kids that move in certain aspects. I, you know, there's, there's a very old saying that says, I think it was, if you're not a, if you're not a liberal at 20 and you're, and you're not a conservative at 40, then yet then you, then you haven't lived life or you know whatever. And, and, I, and I, would, I would define it. I would I would rephrase it and I would say, you know, if you're not if you're a liberal at 20 and not a, you know maybe a conservative at 30 and not libertarian by 40, you're not being intentional. You know, you're not. <laughs> okay, because, you know, sure, it's natural for the kids. I mean, they've been provided to it their whole life. Their parents have been taken care of they don't, they don't understand. I hate to say it. I, it's not an insult. I don't understand how to fix an engine. You know why? Because I've never been taught. And I don't know what damn they taught. And when I need one fixed, i got to pay somebody to fix one. It's not an insult. Like, I mean, when you, when you haven't been involved in economics, you haven't been taught anything about it, you don't understand it. And if you don't, then how can you even make that? I want to thank everybody for coming today. Uh, first and foremost, I want to thank Jerry Titus for putting this together. Good job. Beth Dunzig had a great deal to do with it. She's not here. You see her, thank her. This is the second training session we've done. Uh, the first one was shortly after I was hired, and by far, and actually Brian is our only returning presenter. Uh, and. Just even in Ryan's presentation, the training I think was a lot more detailed and more in-depth. And you can see that past one and watch the, the new one. I, I really was impressed with all the speakers today. You guys did a great job. I want to thank Ryan. I want to thank Rebecca and Mike and Ron for participating in the roundtable. Uh, I want to thank Kelly. He did a great job. Uh, so a big thank you to our presenters uh, for coming up and speaking. I want to say if you found value in this, please consider filling out one of those yellow cards or donating to the LPIN online so we can do more of these around the state for more candidates and train more people. The goal is to continue to do this over and over. We have a donation jar over there and you have the yellow cards. That's what your contributions to the LPIN go towards. It's collecting this information and then presenting it to new people so we can continue to grow as an organization and win elections. So I want to thank you all for being here. Uh, wish you good luck. Hope you got some good contacts to talk to people. I think we're going to dinner. Jerry, you want to give details on dinner? But first and foremost, thank you, everybody, for your time today. Again, thank you all for making the trip. I know some people go from considerable distance. I appreciate it. Uh, all of my staff. Uh, Beth's not here. Beth was uh, critical in finding location, getting it reserved, and getting helping get it organized. So, um, Big thanks to her, and if you see her, thank her for me as well, if you would. Um, Ron, uh, of course Chris, Sam, Rebecca, Ryan, Joyce, Mike Cole came up. I'm going to introduce Mike Cole. Mike Cole ran for Secretary of State. Joyce came up for Ron Cole. Um, Kelly McKinney, thank you. Very good presentation, I'm told. Um, and uh, all of you, I hope that we address some of your questions um, and gave you some information where to find out some more information. Like I said, I'll be adding you all to our Facebook group, 2012 Candidates, where you can uh, get more information. And uh, you're on my email list, and once we get our Tuesday meetings set up again, probably about two weeks, I'll send you information. We'll set up a, a uh, agenda going forward where you can come to what you think you need, or you can send me an email if you need questions, or Chris, questions about anything specific, and we'll help you out best we can. Again, thank you very much. And uh, we'll see you around. Dinner.